bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, live from 1250 AM, The Fan, along with our guy Nathan Marzion, Bucks super fan. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. Oh, okay, so Bucks and the Pelicans uh, were in action on Monday night up against the Green Bay Packers game. Now, I will tell you that most people probably had problems keeping track of both of these games. I don't know what the ratings will look like Milwaukee-wise. I can't imagine it'll be close between Packers and Bucks. There are some very fortunate people, like my old co-host, Rami Makhlouf, who has like three TVs in his living room that can watch everything at one time. Uh, Nathan Marzion, I would imagine you probably said to hell with the Packers and focus solely on the Bucks on Monday night. I watched kind of both. I did definitely have the Bucks as my main focus. Um, I had the Bucks on the TV and in my room, and then I had on, on the laptop next to me was the Packers. Um, so I was following the Packers game more just generally what was happening. And then the Bucks, I was like, I don't, you know, I want to see like pretty much every play of the Bucks game. So, uh, yeah, I, I was much, I was prioritizing the Bucks for sure. You know, the thing about that Bucks game last night, and the question to start off with is, what did we learn about the Bucks and their win? against the New Orleans Pelicans. What I learned is Valanciunas can get hot uh, and make you look silly. Uh, and that's what happened. What do you have, 28 in the first half or something like that? Just absolutely ridiculous. It's several threes, uh, and it, it was not pretty for the Milwaukee Bucks. But as it's happening, you're going, it's okay. Odds are he's going to cool off here at some point. Odds are this is not going to go on for four quarters. And even if it does go on for four quarters, I'm fine losing if Valanciunas has you know a, a game where he's just in the zone, as they like to call it in the NBA. And can't miss for four quarters. Fine, go ahead. Score 50, don't care. But the Bucs made a conscious effort to make sure Zion Williamson wasn't going to beat them, Nathan. Uh, and that is credit to the, uh, to Bud and the Bucs. And we'll get more into that. Eric Name wrote a, gro- a great piece on The Athletic, if you haven't read it yet. By the way, that alone, Eric Name by himself is worth subscribing to The Athletic, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Nathan, on uh, kind of the Bucks strategy last night? Yeah, I completely agree in that, you know, you're going to live with a guy like Valanciunas beating you if that's if he's going to be able to do that all night and you know just have a, a monster game like that and he still did have a monster game but if he's if he's able to do enough and really carry them to a win at that point you're like you know what tip your hat that's you know you live with that but the fact that they were able to take away Zion for most of the game Zion did you know get more aggressive and kind of um in the second half fourth quarter where he kind of forced himself to to the line a bit and got his points. I think he ended up with 18 ish or something like that. So he still had a, a decent amount of points, but the bucks really made a, an effort to make sure that it wasn't him beating them because that's, that's how you should play. And I mean, teams try to do the same thing with the bucks of like, okay, we're, we're going to make sure you're not going to beat us and try to force other guys to hit shots. Now Giannis is, you know, tears above Zion and that, you know, he's the best player in the world. He's no matter what you do going to almost every single time, get his 25 to 30 a game. Um, regardless. So, but, but with a guy like Zion, it's like, you can hold him to 15 to 20 and force these other guys to really step up and, and win the game for you. And I had tweeted, you know, I, I've watched a lot of Pelicans this year. They're one of my um, favorite teams to watch. And, you know, Valanciunas, I have on my fantasy team. So I kind of followed him a while. Like, you know, I've been following how he's doing and he has games where he's a monster and he's putting up, you know, 21 and 15. Don't and, you remember this dude when he was in Toronto killing the Bucks from time to time? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. This I mean, dude, this dude would always give the Bucks problems from time to time. Not that he's great, but for whatever the reason, the Bucks have always struggled defending this guy. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a couple guys like that around the league that you're just like Vucevic not, is another one. Yeah, Vucevic for sure. Um, I feel like Olenek sometimes is like that, where it's like these guys that aren't great three point shooters that are big men, they kind of all of a sudden can pick and pop and hit a ton of threes against us, and yep. it's just like it's it is random. You're like, I, I mean, I've seen him take those three pointers, you know, the whole season, he hasn't been fantastic at them. And it's just like, of course he's going to hit, you know, six in like the first quarter against us. And um, yeah, he was, he was feeling it in the first quarter, first half. And, you know, luckily for us, Giannis was just as good. I think Giannis had 26 in the first half. Uh, Valanciunas had 28 and yeah, I mean, they talked to, I know they talked to Ingles at, at halftime and Ingles kind of said, you know, yeah, coming in, we have a game plan of who we want to, you know, put who, who, whose hands we want the ball in compared to other guys. And, you know, he's like, we, we kind of wanted in Valanciunas' hands compared to others, but he's making us pay right now. So we're gonna have to adjust a little bit. And I think they did adjust a little bit back. And um, I thought they, they played it really well and overall did, did a, a great job in that game. So I was extremely pleased being able to go on the road, tough place to play. That Pelicans crowd is really good and just a really good team you're playing against. And they were able to really, you know, survive a pretty good shooting night for the Pelicans and a huge night from Valanciunas and still come away with the win. This is pretty funny. Did you see that? I don't know if you follow Eurohoops on Twitter, uh, but last night uh, in that game, it's at Eurohoops net uh, at halftime. They put up the stats for Valanciunas and Giannis and they put fun fact. Jonas uh, means Giannis in Lithuanian. Does it actually? I have no idea. They were either joking or serious and I don't, care enough to go research it but i thought it was funny made me laugh i saved it i'm like oh that's pretty funny i'm gonna save that for the green and growing podcast and and talk about that you know the the thing that always amazes me sometimes with bud is as much as he gets belittled by everybody about not being a good enough coach and not being good enough in game and so forth you remember bledsoe how he would just stand like one side of james harden nobody else in the league did that just him and he drove harding crazy absolutely crazy so now last night, out comes Zion, and he gets Drew Holiday. And he's going, what the hell is this? What do you mean, Drew Holiday? And they gave him a look that he hadn't really seen. Not that they were expecting Drew Holiday to stop him, but just kind of make life a little bit more difficult for him, right, to kind of keep his feet moving in front of him. And then Brooke or Giannis could come off and help as he got towards the rim, and they were okay with Valanciunas hitting threes and whatever the hell was going to be the case off of that. But they weren't going to let Zion stop him. And then you go further into the game, as you could go in the second half and they make a change and Giannis gets on Valanciunas to try and slow him down from doing what he was doing. And Brooke Lopez takes, who was it? Jones. I believe Brooke Lopez took at that point. Um, and again, same situation, still helping uh, whether it be uh, uh, Wesley Matthews uh, or holiday on Zion, because that was another decision that they made was they were going to switch Matthews and holiday. And that worked. Matthew's got like three fouls in like a minute or something goofy like that on Zion Williamson at one point in that game. Uh, But outside of that, that worked. And then you go later into the game and then you see Javon Carter gets pulled off the floor uh, and Pat Connaughton comes on the floor and Bud makes another adjustment towards the end of the game that messes with him a little bit more. Again, say whatever you want about Bud. But if you watch that game and then go read Eric Name's piece, Bud deserves all the credit in the world for them winning that basketball game last night. Like Mike Budenholzer deserves a ton of credit for making the adjustments in game. Now, to be fair, do I 
know if he made the decision. Did Dunlip or one of his other assistants come up with these adjustments? I don't know. He's the head coach, so that's who's getting the credit. They deserve credit for outcoaching the Pelicans last night because that's why they won that basketball game, Nathan Marzian. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously give a ton of credit to those guys, and I think it also speaks to our depth and just the amount of options we have. I've kind of talked about this a little bit or touched on it a little bit. They, I just love how many guys they have that can contribute off the bench that are playable, that you can, you know, throw on different players and really throw them off, put in different lineups. You have all those, you know, you have the guards that are really good defensively with Drew and Javon and then Wesley Matthews. And, um, you know, you've got Giannis and Brooke down low and, it's just like you can do so much. Drew can guard basically any position. Giannis can guard basically any position. Um, it's just it's a really really good thing to have uh, that you can throw at throw all these different options at these guys and all these different looks. And it's just something that you know will come come in handy in the playoffs. And I mean, it just you can never have enough, I guess, versatility and switchability defensively. Like that's just something that. Like you, you can never have enough of that. It's something that is so valuable in the league right now. And, you know, we saw it on display last night where they just, they're, they're able to do so much with so many different players. You know, the other thing too, uh, about this is not only the depth, like you talked about with the Bucks and all the different options that they have at their disposal, but this Pelicans team, while they've done very well this year and they're doing well in the West, you know, this was a game that they were circled and saying, okay, let's see how good we are. Let's see how we go. Because you, when they play Boston, I guarantee you it's the same way, right? When they play the Bucs, it's the same way. And that's what some people don't understand, I, I think, some fans in general. Like, the Bucs lose a game, and it's like, oh, my God, they suck. I can't believe they lost that game. How could they lose that game? Well, guys, when these teams play the Bucs, it's a measuring stick game for them to see how close they are. How close are they to competing with these guys, you know, in the regular season? Regular season, postseason, not the same. They just want to get there to be able to beat them and get instill confidence in their locker room that they can hang and beat these guys, right? That's what that's what is going on. As a Bucks fan, if if you're my age in your 40s, you remember all the crappy years. You remember taking on the 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 Kobe's, the Shaqs, the Michael Jordans, and hoping that your Bucks team could keep it close at the end of the game. And if you lost, if it was close, you'd be ecstatic. All right, we kept it close. We're getting better, right? And if you beat them, oh man, throw a party. They actually they beat a really good basketball team. That other team, when they left Milwaukee or you left their arena, did not care that they lost. They just moved on to the next game. But for you, it was a big deal. And as a Bucs fan, I think Bucs fans still are having a problem adjusting to that. So when the Bucs do get regular season wins against good basketball teams, to me, it's even more telling of how much better they are than a lot of teams in this league. Because you know they wanted that win in the worst way, and they still couldn't get it, even with Valanciunas having damn near a career night against the Bucks. Yeah, and a couple instances that I remember from my time growing up, you know, with the team not being very good and being on the other side of that, one was the Heat. You know, whenever the Heat would come to town, they had the big three. It was like, Wade. yeah, it was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I, I went to a couple of those games. They won one of them where I think they they won by like 15 or 20, and it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you were just so pumped for that. And, again, you, you look at it on the other side, you're like, the Heat didn't care. The Heat weren't like, oh, my God, our season's – screwed we lost to the box you know who were not good at the time it's like okay it happens this team is you know the whole the whole building was like a little bit more amped than they normally would be because it's us then you go to that you know 24 and, and one golden state game where it's like we weren't that good you know it was 2015 where um golden state started 24 and 0 and it was like 
just a huge deal that we were even keeping it close. And then you get the win. You just, it's such a big deal for us and for them. They're just like, okay, we're 24 and one. Like it's not that big of a deal. And yeah. So being on the other side of it makes you realize what these other teams are thinking. And you also just have to remember that they're NBA players on that other team too. Yeah. They might not be the best team, but those are NBA players. And with the way this league is now with, you know, so many threes being put up, if a team just gets hot a little bit, it's easy to, you know, it's easy for kind of mini upsets to happen. And for a team that's not expected to win to win, um, we see it, you know, in, in March madness too. It's just like yeah. upsets can happen when a team just gets hot. You know, you don't have to always be the, the more talented team, the more balanced team, right? Sometimes things can, like one thing can just, um, you know, or one guy can get, get hot or a couple of guys can get hot and that just can change the entire game. Like I, I thought about this with compared to like, I don't know, say football. Football, I feel like it's hard to have one, you know, you can't just dominate one aspect of the game and expect to win ever or pull an upset. But I'm like, with basketball, you can just, you know, hit a ton of threes and be in a game. Even if you're even if you're worse at, you know, rebounding or you're not as big and you're not as good in the paint, whatever. If you just get hot from three, like it can it can be a close game. You can hang around and then make a few plays at the end. Whereas football, it's like you got to kind of win the line of scrimmage. You've got to have, you know, a good quarterback, good receivers, good defense. Like everything's kind of got to come together. Basketball, it can be a little bit more, um, you know, it just can change a lot easier, see, I feel like. See, you're so smart. Nathan Marzan, you're so smart. I, I And I, I tell you this because this is exactly why I do not like the NCAA tournament. I mean, you just laid it out for you right there. I mean, you're going to have a team. And again, it happens where some two seed or God forbid one seed gets knocked out opening weekend. And then I'm supposed to be excited because now I, I got some Cinderella, Cinderella, quote unquote, team that got hot for two to games uh, in one weekend. I'm supposed to get all fired up and root for these clowns to make it all the way to the NCAA tournament, knowing full right well, if they play 10 games against that other team, they were going to lose nine of them. And just happens to be on that one day, they won a game. And now everybody gets to go crazy. And those poor kids season is over because the other team got super hot on one night. Like that drives me nuts. And not, football, same way, right? I mean, you have an undefeated New England Patri Patriots team that loses to Eli Manning and the Giants. I hate the Patriots. If they would have played that game 10 times at Super Bowl with Randy Moss and Tom Brady, they win that damn game probably nine out of 10 times. That one day they lost and they're not remembered as the best team in football that year. It's the Giants because they won the Super Bowl. I hate it. I know you can't play a series of games in football. I get that. But that's why I like baseball. Series of games. NBA, series of games, hockey, series of games. So fine, you may get hot for a game and you may beat us, but everything's going to balance itself out over seven games, more than likely. That's normally what will happen at the end of the day, Nathan Marzian. I do, I do get that. And that is like, I do, I do like series for that, for that sense of, you know, yes, it, it, the better team overall that, you know, really, it's very rare you're going to come out of a series and say, the team that didn't deserve to move on, moved on. But I, I think I love both. I mean, the, the March Madness, that's what makes it crazy. Um, NFL, that's what, you know, it, it's just, you got to bring it every game. You can have, you know, it, it can hinge on one play, um, you know, one mistake, whatever, a team getting hot. I think that's what, you know, that it's fun because it makes it more unpredictable. So I'm, I'm never going to complain about that with March Madness and with, you know, NFL playoffs because, I mean, at the end of the day, these teams know that it's single elimination. You know that, and that's part of what, you know, if if, if you're in the NFL playoffs or you're in, um, you know, March Madness and you fall down a little bit, okay, you got to panic a little. You got to change. You got to, 
you got to do something. You can't just in like a game one or two of a series be like, oh, we can take this loss and we'll just, you know, move on right. and, and hope it's going to balance yeah. out over time. No, it's a, it's a, you know, it's game seven basically. So um, I understand where, where you're coming from, but I like, I like both. And that's another thing to remember though, is yeah, we, this in the playoffs will be a series. And you know, if, if we lose a game where it's like, oh, we just kind of sucked, you know, it happens. That's probably not going to happen four times out of seven games in the playoffs when no, these guys so like, are all Cleveland's in, the right? next game for the Bucks, right? Cleveland's won, what, four straight, I think, coming into this game uh, against the Bucks coming up on Wednesday night. If they play them in a series in the playoffs, Cleveland may win a couple of games against the Bucks, but th- they're not going to win the series. They may win a couple of games, but it's not going to be the end of the Bucks run. I mean, that to me is a thing where if it's a one game play, one game, and that's it. They may be done after one game. Mitchell throws up 50 and something else happens, and all of a sudden the Bucs lose and their season's over. You give me, you know, seven games. There's just I, I don't think there's any chance the Bucs are losing a seven-game series to Cleveland. But again, like we talked about, now you get Cleveland Wednesday night. Now I'm mentioning all these guys. They look at this game just like they looked at them last time. Every time they see the Bucs and go, all right, measuring tool. And remember, this Cleveland team kind of built that wall the last time they saw them try and slow down Giannis and they've got the length they've got the the guys that are long that can do that to try and slow down uh, Giannis and even if that does happen Wednesday night let's not freak out Bucks fans be like oh my god Cleveland's better there can't be Cleveland in the playoffs this is going to be horrible just settle down and part of the reason you have to settle down is because you don't know what this squad is really going to look like and that leads to question two that is the debut of Joe Ingles last night uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, and what are your expectations for Joe Ingles uh, as a Milwaukee Bucks player? Now that we've seen him out there, didn't hit a shot, still hasn't scored, uh, but he will. Uh, he'll get going. Feature articles all over the place on Ingles uh, being a trash talker, running his mouth constantly, and how how cute it is, and yada yada yada. And that's great, heartwarming stuff. Um, but we're going to see now how he fits in to what Bud wants him to be, right? Bud has an idea of how he wants him to run. I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks go get Joe Ingles without John Horse and Boone Holzer and Peter Fagan all having a conversation of, okay, we'll go get him. How are we going to use him? What role, what, what role is he going to fill? How are we going to use him in the offense? That's what I want to see. Um, and I'm anxious because the Bucks really haven't, I mean, I'm trying to think, I don't know. They've really had a guy that runs their mouth as much as this dude. Um, and how that all um, goes is going to be interesting because again, you you might poke the wrong bear and get that guy going in a game, and it may end up costing you. But he's running his mouth at the same point. Him running his mouth may sidetrack somebody that was having just a fine night and get him all up in his head, and now all of a sudden he has a bad night. I think the trash talking of Joe Ingles can work both ways. I've never been a big Joe Ingles fan because of that. I can't stand that aspect uh, of his game. But when he gets to going and feeling it from outside. And then Marzian, he can be a complete difference maker for a Bucks basketball team because he can pass the ball really well too. Yeah, that's the thing I've been most excited about is his playmaking off the bench because that's something we haven't had really from anyone off the bench in a while. It's been all shooters. It's been guys that more spot-up guys and can't really put the ball on the floor, can't really run an offense. And I'm excited more for Ingles, you know, passing, playmaking, pick-and-roll stuff than I am, you know, him scoring or any any other – aspect of his game I think you know the scoring and shooting you get will be a little bit of a bonus I think he's going to try hard defensively they'll you know he's he's fine on that end I'm not super worried about him there um he's always been a guy who you know as you said he's going to talk some trash you know he's, he plays gritty he's going to um he's going to play really hard on that and I'm not worried about him 
falling asleep or anything. But the main thing I'm excited about is to see him running the pick and roll and being someone off the bench that can actually handle the ball, drive it a little bit, pass it a little bit, and you know run the show a bit. Because as I said, that's just something we haven't had because it's mostly shooters on the bench. So what really are expectations for Joe Ingles here? As we look at, are we expecting 12 a night off the bench for Ingles once he's up and going again? Are we expecting less than that from Joe Ingles every night? Because right now, Bobby Portis is a double-double machine off the bench. So you got him coming off the bench. He's providing you consistent scoring. Outside of him, you don't really have another consistent score coming off the bench right now for this Bucks basketball team. If you can have two guys that are averaging double figures coming off the bench, now this really makes this team dangerous. I, I'm not expecting double figures personally. I think, again, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting him to be more of a facilitator ball handler rather than scorer. And I'm not saying he can't have games where he puts up, you know, 15, whatever, gets hot shooting. But I don't know. I just think his role, and at this point in his career too, I don't know how much you can trust him to be kind of a, a go-to scorer off the bench. I think it's more of just having another guy that can run the offense because, you know, again, as I said, you take, you know, you, you you go to your second unit these past three, four years with, with Giannis, you know, at his peak and with Bud, it just hasn't, there hasn't really been that guy that can um, actually go run the show off the bench. You know, they tried, they had some, some backup point guards and stuff that didn't work out like a, like a DJ Augustine and stuff that people were, maybe he could, you know, be that type of player. And he just hasn't been, um, they finally have something like that a little bit with Javon Carter, but having another guy that can do that and be able to handle the ball is just what I'm, I'm more excited about. Cause I think that's what they need more than scoring. You know, you've got Bobby as a scorer and then you've got, cause ultimately you have the big three. One of them is, you know, you're going to be out there probably two of them most of the time. So you're going to have plenty. It's not like you're ever going to look at, okay, we need, we need buckets from Joe Ingles right now, because right. I think usually they're going to have enough guys when you've got Giannis, Chris, Drew, you know, Brooke can, can, he's been a better scorer this year Guys and then Bobby. Yeah. And then Bobby, it's like, okay, that's five scores right there that are, are pretty reliable. And again, I just don't see there being many instances where you're like, wow, like this unit, we need Joe Ingles as a scorer. It's going to be him more as a, as a facilitator. So I, I, that's what I'm most excited about. I'm not expecting a ton scoring wise. The other thing about this too, is they're not done with this roster. Like, I just don't think they're done. I don't think John Horst sits on his hands at the trade deadline. I think John Horst is going to make another move. And more than likely, I mean, Grayson Allen gets moved. I'm guessing it's how this is going to play. But I don't I, think I, it's going to, I don't think it's going to be Grayson. I'm telling you. I, it's going to be Wara Hill and a pick, and they're going to get someone on the fringe, at, like to, to, to be some, like maybe some type of wing defender that could work out. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be flabbergasted if, if, if Grayson does get moved, but man, he's, He's playing harder defensively. He's been way better off the dribble. You know yes. what you're getting as a shooter. Agreed. I think I just raising him, his value, Nathan. He's raising his value to get you more in return. That's no, what he's, he's becoming more playable in the playoffs for you. No, 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 no. This is the regular season, young buck. This but is he's the regular becoming season. More, but no, no. But his, we'll his game. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Hold on, when hold, on hold on, hold on. Because I'm I'm kind of passionate about this because people automatically are just ah, oh, he's not going to do anything in the playoffs. He's showing us right now that he's improved. He did not do this stuff last year. He wasn't this good of a defense, and he hasn't been amazing defensively, but he's been playing harder defensively. Yes. He he's still shooting 41% from three. He shot which, well in the Bulls series too, Nathan. We we because we complain about oh, these shooters around you. Know, if we got rid of Grayson, I can totally see a scenario. We get rid of Grayson. These guys shoot, you know, 
30% in a series and lose. And we're sitting there going, Oh, I wish we had a reliable shooter. Grace Allen was right there. He, and he had a bad series against Boston. Yes. But he, that's without Chris, that's asking him to do. Everyone had a little bit more pressure on them, a little True. bit more attention on them. I'm yeah. I'm not using that series as the end all be all Grace Allen sucks in the playoffs. I'm not doing it. I believe that if Chris was there, he would have been better. He was fantastic in that first series, which we cannot forget. It wasn't just one series that he, you know, he wasn't, he didn't suck in both series. He wouldn't suck the whole playoffs. He actually shot 40% in the playoffs overall because he was that good in the Bulls series. And just watching him this year, look at what he's doing off the dribble, being able to go on pick and roll or be a yeah. ball handler in the pick and roll, being able to pump fake and drive a little bit. He's controlled. He's making better decisions. I just, I look at him and I say, I think right now he's, he's much more playable in the playoffs than he was even two months ago than he was last year. I think he's a better playoff performer or he would be a better playoff performer if you put him in the playoffs right now. And I'm just, I hate that people are just assuming he's going to suck. Remember, remember the intensity goes up in the playoffs. Yes. Right now it's the regular season. So you don't got everybody going full out night in and night out. So while you're saying, well, Grayson's playing harder, Yes, he's probably playing harder than a lot of other guys in the regular season at this point because he's trying to save his job because he probably understands what all has been said and what is being talked about with him. So he doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants a chance at a ring. So obviously, I mean, that I'm I don't disagree with anything you said as far as how he looks. You're 100 percent. I don't disagree. All I'm saying is, is if I'm John Horse and the Bucks, John Horse specifically, he normally doesn't stand still. He's always looking to improve. He's always on the phones, trying to get this thing better, trying to figure out to kind of put themselves in a position to win another ring. Because, hey, man, that was a cool feeling, man. You get a parade, you get champagne, get a big old fancy ring. I mean, that was kind of cool for everybody involved. I'm sure they'd all like another one at this point. I, I just don't know. First of all, Jordan Wara, George Hill, and a pick is going to get you what? What what in the what the G League uh, player? What is that going to get it's you? Not a G League, it's I need you a G League player. It could get you someone who, if you have to throw them out there like a wing, like some type. If you have to throw them out there as a defender, you could do it. They might be like someone you could throw out there. I'm not saying it's going to get you someone that's super valuable or anything like that. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. But, do they, but but you have to also remember they have the best record in the league right now. Do they need to go out and we need to go upgrade? No, this is not about, again, now I'm going to take you back. The trade deadline's not about the regular season. The trade deadline is about getting you ready. Are you telling me right now? Are are you telling me? If I'm horsed, I look at my team. If this is me, if I'm John, I don't know how you would approach it. And you could tell me if I'm John, I look at the Celtics. I look at us and go, okay, that's going to be the team we have to beat to get there. I don't think anybody on the other side is going to beat us, but what do I need to make me be able to sleep better at night? going, now we definitely got a better squad than them. What am I missing? Now, if he looks at the Celtics, looks at the Bucks roster, looks at watching both of them and goes, we're better right now. I don't got to do anything. Providing Boston doesn't do anything. Okay. But I, I don't, if I'm John Horst, I'm telling you, he he's going to do something to try and get themselves, get themselves that much better than Boston. Because that really is the only team at this point that probably worries anybody at this point going forward. Would be my I do get that, and I agree. I agree. You know, you want to you want to focus mainly on Boston. You want to focus on how are we going to beat that team. But number one, I mean, I I don't think you're ever going to get in a position where you're like we are we are firmly better than Boston. They're really good. Like it's yeah. going to be it's going to be close. There's going to be 
some areas where they're better. There's going to be some areas where you could improve. Cause again, if we get rid of Grayson and get a defender and you're sitting there going, okay, we got the guys who can defend Tatum. But then you're like, well, you know, is our shooting going to be reliable? Because Drew, Drew Holiday usually steps down in the playoffs, which is expected. Um, Chris can be inconsistent in the playoffs. Off the bench, Pat Condon can be inconsistent. But you got Ingles. Bobby Portis hasn't been great shooting. Joe Ingles is old. Brooke Lopez, you know, he's looking better this year, but can we rely on him to be a good shooter? People think Marzion like the, likes the box. Listen to what Mar- Marzion just trashed everybody on the box. I'm saying he you doesn't like the, the box. He's no, a closet Bulls fan. What, I'm is, saying what the hell is going could, on? No, you could you could make an argument against these guys in the playoffs. And I'm sitting there. So no matter what you do, if you trade Grayson, there's going to be, you know, all of a sudden you're maybe missing shooting. If you keep Grayson, okay, you could maybe improve defensively. But I'm sitting there saying, right now, do we need offense or defense more? Do you think? I want more offense because I, why are we trading Grayson for a defender then? And I'm not saying we couldn't use another defender, another wing defender because we absolutely could. But I also think we have Marjan for that too. If you need to throw him out there, like I, I hope Bud uses him more, but I, I I'm just like, I feel like we kind of have guys for every role. I feel like Grayson is playing a good role right now, a valuable role that will, you know, will be needed in the playoffs. So why are we sitting here trying to panic and, and, we have to go trade it. Like, I feel like people want to make moves just to make moves rather than we actually need this. It's going to make us that much better. Cause I don't, I don't have a huge problem if they want to go trade Grayson to get Jay Carter. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be furious, but I'm definitely not going to be like, Oh my God, this is great. I'm so happy because we have Jay Crowder. Not like our defense is already fantastic. Jay Crowder's probably not going to be a great shooter in the playoffs. I know he has been good against us, but oh, yes, I, he I, has. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, again, sick of people kind of assuming that Grayson's going to suck in the playoffs. Right. He's kind of showing us he's improving. So this is, this is what we've learned here, folks. And I know we got a bunch of ladies listening to this. If you want Nathan Marzian's digits, you have to get him a Grayson Allen jersey for Christmas. That's the only way to do this, right? You get him a Grayson Allen Bucks jersey for Christmas. Uh, which one do you want? The blue one? I want No, no. I want the Duke Blue Devils. I want oh. the Duke Blue Devils jersey because it kills two birds with one stone. I, I can hate you. I can I make Badger fans mad, and yeah. I can support my boy Grayson Allen. How's that Twitter profile looking, by the way? How you doing? Check back in five days, and I'll tell you. Five days, and then it's done. You can finally yeah. pull it down. Yes. Oh, that that's good. Uh, both those teams are good, the Marquette and the Badgers. Uh, as we tape this, Marzian's like, I got to be done by six o'clock because I got to watch Marquette. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. We'll get to you. Uh, all right. Sun sold to Matt. Ishbia, or however you say his name, for $4 billion. Plus, they, he gets the Mercury too lucky him. Uh, what are the Bucks worth if the Suns are worth that much? Now, again, much bigger media market, all that stuff. I, I understand all of that. They were sold for $550 million by Herb Cole. $550 million. $4 billion is what this dude bought it for. And this dude was a college basketball player at, with Izzo at Michigan State. One national championship the whole deal right i mean he wasn't any good but he he was there under michigan at michigan state and he buys the phoenix suns 550 million this ownership group bought it for my guess is they could probably sell it for 2 billion um and they all make a ton of money at the end of the day because the one thing that i think makes this very attractive is providing they sell all of it now i see that's the one thing i don't know right I, I don't know if they sell the team, they're obviously going to sell the arena with the team or however this is going to work, right? But like they've got a bunch of properties downtown right now. I mean, they're not just invest just in the bucks. They've got properties as well. So 
Does all of that go with the sale with the team if they were to sell the team or how does this all work? I've said before, and I don't know if I've ever said it on the radio. Um, so technically this isn't on the radio, so I'll say it here in this podcast. I, I think how this plays out, and maybe I'll be dead wrong. I think Eden's Lazary, one of those two eventually, will end up buying the Knicks. Um, and the others, the other part, probably be a couple of these guys, will branch off by the Knicks, and then the whoever doesn't buy the Knicks will end up still owning the Bucks and moving forward. That's how I think this ends. I think James Dolan ends up selling to one of these guys, and they end up becoming owner of the Knicks. That that's my guess. Because remember, these guys are all New York guys. They all live in New York. They don't, they don't live here. So I mean, Fagan lives here, but the owners themselves, they all live in New York. So I think that's how it goes. And when you see the Suns get sold for four billion dollars, uh, I mean, to to sell your piece of it out and what the NBA value is. Whoever decides to get out to go try and buy the Knicks, and could you imagine what the Knicks are going to go for? If it's four billion for the Suns, what are the Knicks going to go for? Five or six? Like that's going to be insanity. How much money the Knicks would sell for if James Dolan ever decides to sell that team? I, I'm just I'm blown away by the numbers, Nate. Yeah, and um, you know, you said it's crazy that the Bucks were bought for like five hundred something million because five hundred fifty. Yeah, I mean it was it was right at the time where they were taken off and. Um, you know, ever since they've taken over, it really has in mostly because of Giannis and just the team being really good. It's like, they've just, the, the, the value has grown exponentially winning a championship. And now you've got the new arena and you've got all that stuff around deer district. And just, it's, it's just crazy. It's, it's unbelievable how much it's changed. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's going up now that they're building over there. They have a yep. whole nother music facility that's being built for more concerts and everything else where the Bradley center was. Plus there's a hotel on that property. I mean, it's again, they, and I, I've said this before on the radio. I, I don't care if you don't like them. Like you can be like, I don't like them. They're Democrats, whatever. Fine. Don't like them. Cause they're Democrats. I don't really give a damn one way or the other, but what you cannot argue is what they've done for that downtown. I mean, they pretty much since they built Pfizer, revitalized that whole downtown area. That downtown was, I'm not going to say dead, but was way behind the times as far as what should have been down there to begin with. And since they got involved and built that deer district and showed that people were coming, you know, to come hang out at the farmer's markets or the German Christmas market, wherever that Chris Kringle market or whatever it's called, it's not there this year, but when that, when that was there, they had the Halloween stuff down there every year, all that different stuff that has thrived and became the area for people to go kind of has built up downtown Milwaukee where you got more people starting to live downtown Milwaukee, more businesses going into downtown Milwaukee. I don't understand why anybody built a skyscraper at this point, but either way, skyscrapers going up all over the place uh, as well. And that Bucks ownership group uh, and Peter Fagan deserve a lot of credit for kind of getting Milwaukee going and catching up with the times a little bit. Yeah. And I, I've seen this, you know, being, around Milwaukee my whole life kind of, and then going to Marquette for college. It's like, I, I started going to Marquette in 2018 first year, the five serve went up and first year it was, you know, being used as the bucks arena. And it's like just the difference, you know, with college kids, it's like, we're, you know, going to the Mecca and going downtown. And it's just, it's such a different, you know, when those playoff games are going on, it's just such a huge event and so many people are drawn to it. And so many people want to be there. And it's just so different from what it was back in, you know, when I, again, this is just for when I was growing up, but, um, so not, not that long ago in the grand scheme, but in like 20, uh, 
what was it, 2012 or 2013 when they were, you know, an eight seed playing against Miami in the first round. And it's like everyone kind of knows they're going to lose and there's just no hype around anything. And it's like, whatever, you know, the the diehard fans would maybe get into it and be excited and stuff, but they're just, there was no buzz around anything. There was no, like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was attracting people to Milwaukee. And now it's like summer, that, that summer of 2021 where they won just, I mean, it's something you could never have imagined that that many people would be around the, the Milwaukee area during, you know, a playoff game. And um, throughout the whole playoff run, it was just people constantly down there and the, the hype around it, people talking about it, you know, it, it was just, it was amazing. And um, something that is going to now continue with, with them being good and having Giannis and um, having the whole deer district thing. It's, it's just like the whole, the whole entire um, vibe, I guess you could say changed around the team and around the city with with ever since they took over i remember mark lazary coming in to do the big show the day they had the press conference and they brought him around to all the different radio stations to go on the show so he came on the big show that afternoon he came in and he goes dude why can't i find bucks gear anywhere and i was like well they had to deal with coles but they pulled out of that deal i'm like so pretty much all you guys to bradley center he's like what I was like, that's, hey man that's all you got i don't know what to tell you he's like well that's changing he goes, because I, I got to be, I got friends coming in from New York, whatever. I I got to be able to, you know, be able to go get these guys gear when we're in town or whatever the case may be. I said, well, God bless you. Go get it done. And literally, you can buy Bucks gear damn near at any store <laughs> currently. That's how these are Wisconsin. You can go to grocery stores and find Bucks gear. Kohl's obviously has it. Name of the game. They got everything for all the different sports. That's a that's a godsend. Um, and then the Bucks team stores, those are way better than they've ever been, obviously, when they were at the Bradley Center. Everything about that is way better. So, again, like I'm not saying you have to like their political affiliation or whatever the case may be, but you cannot ignore the fact of what they've meant to downtown Milwaukee. It, it is, has been a huge, huge deal. All right, Nathan Marzian, who does uh, Marquette got that you're all excited to watch? Providence. You're fired up to watch him play Providence? I mean, it's a it, every Big East game is pretty big. So, I mean, I, see, and again, like I'm a big Marquette guy and I'm a big Wisconsin guy. Um, and if I had to say which one am I a little bit more than the other, probably a little bit more Marquette than I am Wisconsin coming coming from a basketball standpoint. Went to neither school, so I don't really care as much as like say you do or who, you know, hates and despises Badgers because there's a rivalry, obviously, and you went to one of the schools. So I completely understand that. Uh, but. They're both really good, but Shaka and what he's done at Marquette. I mean, these kids, they're young, man. You got freshmen and sophomores balling out. Ain't nobody going to the NBA from this crew either. So they're all going to be back again next year. That's a scary thing. I interviewed Ben Steele. That's up at 1250amthefan.com. Is it last week? I think it was last week. And we were just talking about it. Like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, you're seeing how good they are. But wait till next year. Like, next year is going to be the year where you're going to be talking about Sweet 16, Elite 8. And making that run next year uh, with all these guys with another year of experience. Because right now, they're still trying to figure it out every night of play with that same intensity. But defensive intensity-wise, dude, they're a problem. I mean, deflection, steals, block shots. Uh, they they are a big, big problem uh, for anybody that they play. I mean, I don't care who you are. You bring any team you want to Vizor Forum to play Marquette. And Marquette's going to give them a problem. Bring the number one team. Bring Purdue. Uh, let's see what they look like Purdue yeah, and Marquette right. at the end of the season in the tournament when Marquette has a full season of, of playing this system. Purdue yeah, we will have problems with Marquette. We we just, I mean, it's funny you bring up Purdue. We played Purdue on the road this year, 
and we were up nine with like I eight watched that game. Yeah, yeah. Like we we were with them the entire like game. Lost the end, I'm saying at the end of the season because yeah. that was early on. At the end of the season, after Marquette has played a full season with all their dudes and they're playing at a high level, providing they stay healthy, I'm telling you, they can beat Purdue at the end of the year. If they yeah. get Purdue in the tournament, I th- well, I think they can beat anybody in the tournament. The only thing that's going to stop Marquette will be can they hit their outside shot. Yeah, but if they're and, hitting their outside shot, they're going to be very tough to beat. And rebounding sometimes. We whenever we go against a big guy, that's really good. Where he sometimes. Well, I mean, Edie for Purdue is not. I mean, that's there's not many of him in college basketball. Yeah, that dude yeah. eats everybody for lunch. Like uh, UConn has uh, Sonogo, and so like those kind of guys we struggle with just because we don't have a. We have plenty of like six nine, six ten athletic guys that can get boards, but we don't really have guys that can like match up against a seven foot, two hundred and fifty pound guy. You know. Just got to find a bowl. Isn't there a Jason bowl that's out there? I mean, there's a million bowls all over the place that you can recruit. Just find one of the bowls and stick yeah. him in at Marquette and let him block some shots and do it. That bowl bowl for Orlando. Holy crap, Nathan. He's I mean, fun. that dude is insane right now. Denver's got to be watching him going, what the hell did we do? Yeah. What he the looks, hell did we so do? Fun. Yeah. All right. Marzian's starting to sweat because he's missing Marquette basketball. <laughs> Nathan, thank you so much. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer at Sparky Radio. Have a good one. This has been Green and Growing. Toodles.